the unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it, we can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. Great Master Dogen talked about to study the but to study Buddhism is to study the self, and to study the self is to forget the self, and to forget the self is to be enlightened by all things. And the Buddha taught that there was no self. <laughs> That's something we have to remember. <laughs> There are three marks of existence. He talked about uh, impermanence and suffering and the fact that there is no permanent, unchanging self. It's more helpful to think of the self as a verb rather than as a noun. Because he was talking about, uh, in contrast to the, the Hindu practice of thinking there was a self that went from life to life. And... There isn't a self that goes from life to life. The self is, is our concept of who, who I am. And um, it's really basically a, a delusion. But we have to see it and see it as a delusion before we can let go of it. And you don't ever get rid of it completely. But you learn to change your relationship to it, which is a very different thing. I just asked... Reverend Treherne, I said, he, he used to work on top of this three-story building. I said, you know, do you ever look down when you're up on three stories? <laughs> he says, no, you just pay attention to what you're doing here. <laughs> uh, and that's a really good teaching for understanding when self arises, how to let go of it. Just come back to paying attention to what you're doing here. <clears throat> We have to see that the self is the source of our suffering if we're going to change it. Because until we can see that we uh, create the suffering out of the conditions, the conditions that we're in that create, from which we create suffering, the conditions are not the source of the suffering. It's how we react to those conditions that causes the suffering. And when we can see that we're creating this, this suffering, then we can do something about it. It actually frees us to change how it is that we deal with those difficult situations. I've been moved lately by uh, Thich Nhat Hans looking at the Chinese characters that create patience. And it's the heart-mind, the character for the heart-mind, the ship and three drums. <clears throat> and above that is a sharp knife. And he says, if you can open your heart wide enough to hold those difficult things, nobody gets hurt. And so we have to see when we're up against something that we don't want, or don't like, or is unsatisfactory in some ways, we've got to see that we have this choice to open our heart to that. It's not the situation that's the problem. The problem is how I react to that situation. 
So if I react out of greed or anger or fear, there isn't any room for this infinite compassion. And we have to see that we create that suffering because we have habits, conditioned habits. And it's those habits that condition our reactions. And we have to see how we react out of a, in a certain way and that we have a choice to change that. One of, my, one of the stories that has been very helpful to me recently is the story of Yakuzan. And Yakuzan was the disciple of Sekito, and he'd been studying with him for a number of years. And I think Sekito finally got fed up and said, go talk to Basso. <laughs> so he sends Yakuzan to go talk to Basso. And Yakuzan, when he gets to Basso, said, I've read everything I could find. I've studied this for years. I still don't get it. You know, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? What is this all about? And Vasa has this little grin on his face. I can just see him <laughs> pouncing on Yakuzan. He said, sometimes I blink the eyes and raise the eyebrows of old Shakyamuni, and sometimes I do not. Sometimes this is good to do, and sometimes it's not. He said, what do you think? Throws it back onto Yakuzan. Yakuzan has a major opening at this point. And <clears throat> he said, when I was at Sekito's temple, I was like a mosquito trying to bite an iron bull. <laughs> he was trying to get something. <laughs> he wanted the blood from this big iron bull. Well, what he had to see and what Maso was teaching him is that in order to uh, see the Buddha nature in other things, you have to see it with the Buddha nature. All of us have the Buddha nature. Everything that exists is a manifestation of the Buddha nature. We usually filter that through this idea of a self. And so we decide we like some things and don't like other things. And some things are good and some things are bad. But we're not, when we do that, we're not seeing through the eyes of the Buddha. And Maso was telling Yakusan that he could change the way he looked at things. He could see the Buddha nature in things. But he had to change how it is he looked at things. He had to get the self out of the way in order to do that. And when you see the Buddha nature in someone else, you see the Buddha nature within you, see it within yourself. Because it's not something you're going to get, it's something you have to learn to act from. You have to learn to act out of compassion. You have to learn to act out of kindness and wisdom. And when you do that, the people that you act to in that way respond. <laughs> Because when you treat someone as the Buddha, they respond as the Buddha. Remember, Master Jude was fantastic about this. He expected us to start acting like a Buddha. <laughs> and occasionally we did. <laughs> Much to our own surprise. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> she could see that in us. And we could see that in her. 
And that's what made it possible to have this place exist today. And it was her vision to create a monastery where people could do that. And it is our vision to see the Buddha nature within ourselves and find it within others. And it's there all the time. It's just that we have to be able to look through the eyes of the Buddha in order to see that. And what he was talking about was that in the Hindu practice at the time, there was supposed to be a self that goes from life to life. And he said, no, it's, it's just all conditions that produce this present moment. And as things change, the present moment changes, the conditions change, the, the person changes. You're not the same person you were at two years old or ten years old. For me, even at 60 years old or 70 years old. <laughs> um, and you're growing and changing all the time. And the more you change your habits, you actually cha- transform your, your DNA, actually, as well. But the meditation that we do is there to help us show, show ourselves where the self exists. Because we have to stop there and sit and look at a wall. And whatever comes up is yourself. Your likes, your dislikes, your distractions, your greeds, your angers, fears, your happy thoughts, your joyful thoughts, your whatever, all of those things. And what you have to learn to do is not get rid of them, but change your relationship to them. So instead of yakking away and getting all involved in the yakking away, why don't you just listen? Um, in the Shirangama Sutra, the Buddha <clears throat> is trying to help Ananda, who's been, gotten himself into a bit of trouble. And he has 25 arhats and bodhisattvas describe how they got enlightenment. <clears throat> and then he asks Manjushri, which is the best for Ananda and the people in the Dharma ending age? And Manjushri says, well, <clears throat> it's what Avalokiteshvara was describing, listening to silence which is basically what we do in our meditation. But instead of listening to the yakking, we can just listen. (laughs) Well, maybe there's nothing there to listen to. Just listen. (laughs) Enjoy that moment (laughs) when there's nothing there to listen to. Ramesh Ji said this, the freeway out here is a really good metaphor for our meditation because the cars are going back and forth there and here we're sitting Half the time we can hear them, half the time we don't bother. <clears throat> but they're going all the time, and we don't have to go set up a roadblock, nor we'd <clears throat> do we have to get run over by a passing truck. Um, but that's what we're doing all the time with our minds. We're creating roadblocks, or creating distractions, or we're getting run over by our, our emotions. And, um, but until we can see that we are creating this dissatisfaction, because there's something about the reality I'm dealing with that I don't like, or isn't quite right, or isn't perfect, or isn't the weather isn't warm enough, or isn't cold enough, or (laughs) too much of this, or too little of that. And um, we have to see that we've created this habit of being dissatisfied with stuff, and that all acceptance is the key to the gateless gate. It's just right there. We don't have to worry about the conditions. We just have to open our hearts to them. And that opening 
is found in this, this willingness to be patient, to be there in the midst of very difficult situations and let the self dissolve. It doesn't have to get upset. It doesn't have to change the circumstances. It just has to change our, our response to them. And that opening of the heart is something that we have to create a habit of doing. And the meditation itself is this opening of the heart. It's the sitting there and do nothing. She got a, remember she got a, a bumper sticker once. <laughs> Don't just do something, sit there. <laughs> and we come from a country of doers where you have to be doing something. <laughs> you got to be thinking about something. And what we have to see is that if you're meditating, the more you meditate, the more you open your heart to see things differently. And that willingness to open your heart changes your relationship to those things in the past. So you might feel badly about something you did when you were a kid or when you were younger or whatever. And in meditation, you're just letting those things go. You don't have to hold on to them. But you have to let go of them. The judgment that we create by, about ourselves is the thing that keeps us from learning. Because if you judge yourself, then that's the end of the adventure. You've already gotten to bad person or good person or whatever the person. But you don't, wanna, you don't go any further into learning from that. So the judgments keep us from seeing what it is that I need to learn from the situation. And there are all sorts of things that bother us. I get bothered by people micromanaging everything. (laughs) Having to do everything exactly just like that. (laughs) Well, there may be a thousand other ways of doing just like that. (laughs) And that's one of the things that Reverend Master Jiu did was, was to assume that we could figure this out. I remember one of her chief juniors who was a monk from England. When he became chief junior, he said, I had to figure out what she was doing. He had to learn how to meditate. He had to see that she was just being still and responding from that intuitive sense of the heart. And he did it really, really well. <laughs> I was very impressed because he really learned. He, he just figured out. It's like, it's like your cats and your dogs. They figure out what you're doing inside. <laughs> and very often do things just the way you don't want them. (laughs) Just to see whether I can get them to react. (laughs) Our kids do this too. (laughs) But putting yourself in the position of another person is what sympathy is all about. And the, the four wisdoms are Um, tenderness, generosity, benevolence, and sympathy. And these are the things that that help open the heart. Just paying attention in mindfulness, that's an act of generosity. You're giving your attention. And when you're up on a three-story roof, you just pay attention to up up here. (laughs) Rather than look down and see how far you have to fall. The problem is that we like our emotions, we like our fears, we like our greeds, we like our angers. 
Um, and as long as we're enjoying our suffering, we're not going to get rid of it. <laughs> one of our master's monks asked her one day, said, why am I still so angry? And she said, because you're not fed up enough. <laughs> and we've got to get fed up enough with the self to actually do something about it. And if you get fed up enough, you say, oh, I'm not going to go there. You can let it arise, and you don't have to join it. You have to see that it's fundamentally empty. There's fears, angers, doubts, worries. They're just empty. (laughs) They have no substance until we act on them. And we give them substance and create the karmic consequences. But the fact that they go through our minds is just what they do. Somebody has to feel these things. And our willingness to feel them is like that's how karma gets cleansed, is that we're just karmic washing machines. If you let go of the self, then what are you doing here? You're just being a karmic washing machine. The eternal is using all of us to clean up old karma. And the way it's cleansed is just to let these things pass through. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to make them into something that's nice or likable. You just have to sit there and let them go through. It's a lot easier than what we're doing to create suffering. <laughs> and if you're really lazy, you do this easy, easy thing. <laughs> You know, get all yourself all worked out about something somebody said yesterday or two minutes ago or ten years ago. (laughs) But we come back to those things and we get ourselves upset. And we have to see that that's just the choice we're making and we can let them go. In our meditation every day, just whatever comes up, let it go. Just keeping keeping it, keep the pipe open on both ends. And that pipe is actually connected to the eternal. And if we keep that heart open, we don't create suffering. But we have to learn to do this. And this meditation is the key to to training yourself on how to do this. Because if you can train yourself to be still, there's a place within us that is undisturbed no matter how difficult the situation. But we have to train ourselves to come back to it. It's there. We can all find it. Everybody's listened to it or you wouldn't be here. And you have to train yourself to continue to listen to it under all the circumstances and take those difficult things and learn from them. They're only difficult because of ignorance. There's something I don't know. And our ability to learn from those circumstances is being offered to us. So we have to step through that door to the unknown Be there, not being comfortable, not knowing what's going to happen, and be there with that. Open your heart to that. The first talk I ever heard River Master give was about this. One of the things was about this German commandant in World War II. who um, He was an SS officer, and he had a camp in southern Germany. And his job was to mete out punishment for people convicted of espionage. And he had two doors behind his desk, and they were both painted black. And he says, this one is the firing squad. I can't tell you what this one is, 
but you get your choice. And she said, this is Buddhist practice. This is Zen training. It's the door to the unknown. And he wasn't tried as a war criminal because he had a car with his engine running, taking, willing to take anybody to the Swiss border who would choose that door. And it was actually a compassionate act. Because this is the, this is the, the offering that is being made to us every time we experience suffering. Can you go through the door to the unknown? Can you be there with that uncomfortable or difficult situation and open your heart? Can you meditate in that situation? 